are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. The Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. A black hole is a region of space-time from which gravity prevents anything, including light, from escaping. The theory of general relativity predicts that a sufficiently compact mass will deform space-time to form a black hole. Around a black hole, there is a mathematically defined surface called an event horizon that marks the point of no return. The hole is called black because it absorbs all the light that hits the horizon, reflecting nothing just like a perfect black body in thermodynamics. Quantum field theory in curved space-time predicts that event horizons emit radiation like a bat black body with a finite temperature. This temperature is inversely proportional to the mass of the black hole making it difficult to observe this radiation for black holes of stellar mass or greater. Objects whose gravity fields are too strong for light to escape were first considered in the 18th century by John Michel and Pierre-Simon Laplace. The first modern solution of general relativity that would characterize a black hole was found by Carl Schwarzschild in 1916. Although its interpretation as a region of space from which nothing can escape was first published by David Finkelstein in 1958. Long considered a mathematical curiosity, it was during the 1960s that theoretical work showed black holes were generic prediction of general relativity. 
the discovery of neutron stars sparked interest in gravitationally collapsed compact objects as a possible astrophysical reality. Black holes of stellar mass are expected to form when very massive stars collapse at the end of their life cycle. After a black hole is formed, it can continue to grow by absorbing mass from its surroundings, by absorbing other stars and merging with other black holes. Supermassive black holes of millions of solar masses may form. There is general consensus that supermassive black holes exist in the centers of most galaxies. Despite its invisible interior, the presence of a black hole can be inferred through its interaction with other matter and with electromagnetic radiation such as light. Matter falling onto a black hole can form an accretion disk heated by friction, forming some of the brightest objects in the universe. If there are other stars orbiting a black hole, their orbit can be used to determine its mass and location. These data can be used to exclude possible alternatives, such as neutron stars. In this way, astronomers have identified numerous stellar black hole candidates in binary systems and have established that the core of our Milky Way galaxy contains a supermassive black hole of about 4.3 million solar masses. That's the equivalent of 4.3 million of our suns. The idea of a body so massive that even light could not escape was first put forward by John Michel in a letter written to Henry Cadavish in 1783 of the Royal Society. The letter states, If the semi-diameter of a sphere of the same density of the sun were to exceed that of the sun in a proportion of 500 to 1, a body falling from an infinite height towards it would have acquired at its surface greater velocity than that of light, and consequently, supposing light to be attracted by the same force in proportion to its inertia with other bodies, all light emitted from such a body would be made to return towards it by its own proper gravity. In 1796, mathematician Pierre-Simon Laplace promoted the same idea in the first and second editions of his book, Exposition des Systèmes du Monde. Such dark stars were largely ignored in 19th century, since it was not understood how massless waves, such as light, could be influenced by gravity. In 1915, Albert Einstein developed his theory of general relativity, having earlier shown that gravity does influence light's motion. Only a few months later, Carl Schwarzschild found a solution to Einstein's field equations, which described the gravitational field of a point mass and a spherical mass. A few months after Schwarzschild, 
Jonas Drost, a student at Hendrik Lorentz, independently gave the same solution for the point mass and wrote more extensively about its properties. The solution had a peculiar behavior as what is now called the Schwarzschild radius, where it becomes singular, meaning that some of the terms in the Einstein equations become infinite. The nature of the surface was not quite understood at the time. In 1924, Arthur Eddington showed that the singularity disappeared after a change of coordinates, although it took until 1933 for George Lemaitre to realize that this meant the singularity at the Schwarzschild radius was an unphysical coordinate singularity. In 1931, Subramanian Chedraskihar calculated, using special relativity, that a non-rotating body of electron degenerate matter above a certain limiting mass, now called the Chandraskar limit at 1.4 solar masses, has no stable solution. His arguments were opposed by many of his contemporaries, like Eddington and Lev Lando, who argued that some yet unknown mechanism would stop the collapse. They were partly correct. A white dwarf, slightly more massive than the Chandiskar limit, will collapse into a neutron star, which itself stable because of the Pauli exclusion principle. But in 1939, Robert Oppenheimer and others predicted that neutron stars above approximately three solar masses would collapse into black holes for reasons presented by the Chandraskar and concluded that no law of physics was likely to intervene and stop at least some stars from collapsing to black holes. Oppenheimer and his co-authors interpreted the singularity at the boundary of the Schwarzschild radius as indicating that this was the boundary of a bubble in which time stopped. This is a valid point of view for external observers, but not for infalling observers. Because of this property, the collapsed stars were called frozen stars, because an outside observer would see the surface of the star frozen in time at the instant where it collapsed takes it inside the Schwarzschild radius. In 1958, David Finkelstein identified the Schwarzschild surface as an event horizon, a perfect undirectional membrane. Causal influence can cross it in only one direction. This did not strictly contradict Oppenheimer's results, but extended them to include the point of view of infalling observers. Finkelstein's solution extended the Schwarzschild solution for the future of observers falling into a black hole. A complete extension had already been founded by Martin Kruskal, who was urged to publish it. The results came at the beginning of the golden age of general relativity, 
which was marked by the general relativity and black holes, becoming mainstream subjects of research. This process was helped by the discovery of pulsars in 1967, which, by 1969, were shown to be rapidly rotating neutron stars. Until that time, neutron stars, like black holes, were regarded as just theoretical curiosities. But the discovery of pulsars showed their physical relevance and spurred a further interest in all types of compact objects that might be formed by gravitational collapse. In this period, more general black hole solutions were found. In 1963, Roy Kerr found the exact solution for a rotating black hole. Two years later, Ezra Newman found the axisymmetry solution for a black hole that is both rotating and electrically charged. Through the work of Werner Israel, Brandon Carter, and David Robinson, the Nohair theorem emerged, stating that a stationary black hole solution is completely described by the three parameters of the Kerr-Newman metric, mass, angular momentum, and electric charge. At first, it was suspected that the strange features of the black hole solutions were pathological artifacts from the symmetry conditions imposed and that the singularities would not appear in generic solutions. This view was held in particular by Vladimir Belinsky, Isaac Kalinatov, and Evgeny Lifshitz, who tried to prove that no singularities appear in generic solutions. However, in the late 1960s, Roger Penrose and Stephen Hawking used global techniques to prove that singularities appear generically. Work by James Bardeen, Jacob Bernstein, Carter, and Hawking in the early 1970s led to the formulation of black hole thermodynamics. These laws described the behavior of a black hole in close analogy to the laws of thermodynamics by relating mass to energy, area to entropy, and surface gravity to temperature. The analogy was completed when Hawking, in 1974, showed that quantum field theory predicts that black holes should radiate like a black body with a temperature proportional to the surface gravity of the black hole. The term black hole was first publicly used by John Wheeler during a lecture in 1967. Although he is usually credited with coining the phrase, he always insisted that it was suggested to him by somebody else. The first recorded use of the term is by a journalist, Anne Ewing, in her article, Black Holes in Space, dated January 18, 1964, which was a report on a meeting of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. After Wheeler's use of the term, it was quickly adopted into general use. The no-hare theorem states that once it achieves a stable condition after formation, a black hole has only three independent physical properties, mass, charge, 
and angular momentum. Any two black holes that share the same values for these properties or parameters are indistinguishable according to classical mechanics. These properties are special because they are visible from outside a black hole. For example, a charged black hole repels other light charges, just like any other charged object. Similarly, the total mass inside a sphere containing a black hole can be found by using the gravitational analog of Gauss's law, the ADM mass, far away from the black hole. Likewise, the angular momentum can be measured from far away using frame dragging by the gravimagnetic field. When an object falls into a black hole, any information about its shape of the object or distribution of charge on its evenly distributed along the horizon of the black hole and is lost to the outside observer. The behavior of the horizon in this situation is a disparative system that is closely analogous to that of a conductive stretchy membrane with friction and electrical resistance, the membrane paradigm. This is different from other field theories, like electromagnetism, which do not have any friction or resistivity at the microscopic level, because they are time-reversible. Because a black hole eventually achieves a stable state with only three parameters, there is no way to avoid losing information about the internal conditions. The gravitational electrical fields of a black hole give very little information about what went in. The information that is lost includes every quantity that cannot be measured far away from the black hole horizon, including approximately conserved quantum numbers such as the total baryon number and lepton number. This behavior is so puzzling that it's been called the black hole information loss paradox. The simplest black holes have mass but neither electric charge nor angular momentum. These black holes are often referred to as Schwarzschild black holes after Carl Schwarzschild, who discovered this solution in 1916. According to the Birkhoff's theorem, it is the only vacuum solution that is spherically symmetric. This means that there is no observable difference between the gravitational field of such a black hole and that of any other spherical object of the same mass. The popular notion of a black hole sucking in everything in its surroundings is therefore only correct near a black hole's horizon. Far away, the extended gravitational field is identical to that of any other body of the same mass. Solutions describing more general black holes also exist. Charged black holes are described by Rissner-Nordstrom metric, while the Kerr metric describes a rotating black hole. The most general stationary black hole solution is the Kerr-Newman metric, which describes a black hole with both charge and angular momentum. The divining feature of a black hole 
is the appearance of an event horizon, a boundary in space-time through which matter and light can only pass inwards towards the mass of the black hole. Nothing, not even light, can escape from inside the event horizon. The event horizon is referred to as such because if an event occurs within the boundary, information from that event cannot reach an outside observer, making it impossible to determine if such an event occurred. As predicted by general relativity, the presence of mass deforms space-time in such a way that the paths taken by particles bend toward the mass. At the event horizon of a black hole, this deformation becomes so strong that there are no paths that lead away from the black hole. To a distant observer, clocks near a black hole appear to tick more slowly than those further away from the black hole. Due to this effect, known as gravitational time dilation, an object falling into a black hole appears to slow down as it approaches the event horizon, taking an infinite time to reach it. At the same time, all processes on this object slow down for a fixed outside observer, causing emitted light to appear redder and dimmer, an effect known as gravitational redshift. Eventually, at a point just before it reaches the event horizon, the falling object becomes so dim it can no longer be seen. On the other hand, an observer falling into a black hole does not notice any of these effects as he crosses the event horizon. According to his own clock, he crosses the event horizon after a finite time without noting any singular behavior. In particular, he is unable to determine exactly when he crosses it, as it is impossible to determine the location of the event horizon from local observations. The shape of the event horizon of a black hole is always approximately spherical. For non-rotating static black holes, the geometry is precisely spherical, while for a rotating black hole, the sphere is somewhat oblate. At the center of a black hole, as described by general relativity, lies a gravitational singularity, a region where the space-time curvatures become infinite. For a non-rotating black hole, this region takes the shape of a single point and, for a rotating black hole, it is smeared out to form a ring singularity lying in the plane of rotation. In both cases, the singular region has zero volume. It can also be shown that the singular region contains all the mass of the black hole solution. The singular region can thus be thought of as having infinite density. Observers falling into the Schwarzschild black hole, that is, a non-rotating, non-charged black hole, 
cannot avoid being carried into the singularity once they cross the event horizon. They can prolong the experience by accelerating away to slow their descent, but only up to a point. After attaining a certain ideal velocity, it is best to free fall the rest of the way. When they reach the singularity, they are crushed to infinite density and their mass is added to the total of the black hole. Before that happens, they will have been torn apart by the growing tidal forces in a process sometimes referred to as spaghettiification or the noodle effect. In the case of charged or rotating black holes, it is possible to avoid the singularity. Extending these solutions as far as possible reveals the hypothetical possibility of exiting the black hole into a different space-time, with the black hole acting as a wormhole. The possibility of traveling to another universe is, however, only theoretical, since any perturbation will destroy this possibility. It also appears to be possible to follow closed time-like curves, or going back in one's own past, around the Kerr singularity, which led to problems with causality like the grandfather paradox. It is expected that none of these particular effects would survive in a proper quantum treatment of rotating and charged black holes. The appearance of singularities in general relativity is commonly perceived as signaling the breakdown of the theory. This breakdown, however, is expected. It occurs in a situation where quantum effects should describe these actions due to the extremely high density and therefore particle interaction. To date, it has not been possible to combine quantum and gravitational effects into a single theory, although there exist attempts to formulate such a theory of quantum gravity. It's generally expected that such a theory will not feature any singularities. The photon sphere is a spherical boundary of zero thickness that the photons moving along tangents to the sphere will be trapped in a circular orbit. For non-rotating black holes, the photon sphere has a radius of 1.5 times the Schwarzschild radius. The orbits are dynamically unstable, hence any small perturbation, such as a particle of infalling matter, will grow over time, either settling on it on an outward trajectory, escaping the black hole, or on an inward spiral, eventually crossing the event horizon. While light can still escape from the inside of a photon sphere, any light that crosses the photon sphere on an inbound trajectory will be captured by the black hole. Hence, any light reaching an outside observer from inside the photon sphere must have been emitted by objects inside the photon sphere, but still outside the event horizon. Other compact objects, such as neutrino stars, can also have photon spheres. This follows from the fact that the gravitational field of an object does not depend on its actual size. Hence, any object that is smaller than 1.5 times the Schwarzschild radius corresponding to its mass will indeed 
have a photon sphere. Rotating black holes are surrounded by a region of space-time in which it is impossible to stand still, called the ergosphere. This is the result of a process known as frame dragging. General relativity predicts that any rotating mass will tend to slightly drag along the space-time immediately surrounding it. Any object near the rotating mass will tend to be moving in the direction of the rotation. For a rotating black hole, this effect becomes so strong near the event horizon that an object would have to move faster than the speed of light in the, in the opposite direction just to stand still. The ergosphere of a black hole is bounded by the outer event horizon on the inside and the oblate spheroid which coincides with the event horizon at the poles and is noticeably wider around the equator. The outer boundary is sometimes called the ergosurface. Objects and radiation can escape normally from the ergosphere. Through the Penrose project, objects can emerge from the ergosphere with more energy than they entered. This energy is taken from the rotational energy of the black hole, causing it to slow down. Causing the exotic nature of black holes, it may be natural to question if such bizarre objects could exist in nature or to suggest that they are merely pathological solutions to Einstein's equations. Einstein himself wrongly thought that black holes would not form because he held that the angular momentum of collapsing particles would stabilize their motions at some radius. This led to the general relativity community to dismiss all results to the contrary for many years. However, a minority of relativists continued to contend that black holes were physical objects, and by the end of the 1960s, they had persuaded the majority of researchers in the field that there is no obstacle to forming an event horizon. Once an event horizon forms, Penrose proved that a singularity will form somewhere inside it. Shortly afterwards, Hawking showed that many cosmological solutions describing the Big Bang have singularities with scalar fields or other exotic matter. The Kerr solution, the Nohair theorem, and the laws of the black hole thermodynamics showed that the physical properties of black holes were simple and comprehensible, making them respectable subjects for research. The primary formation project for black holes is expected to be gravitational collapse of heavy objects such as stars, but there are also more exotic processes that can lead to the production of black holes. Gravitational collapse occurs when an object's internal pressure is insufficient to resist the object's own gravity. For stars, this usually occurs either because a star has too little fuel left to maintain its temperature through stellar nucleosynthesis, 
or because a star that would have been stable receives extra matter in a way that it does not raise its core temperature. In either case, the star's temperature is no longer high enough to prevent it from collapsing under its own weight. The collapse may be stopped by the degeneracy pressure of the star's constituents, condensing the matter in its an exotic denser state. The result is one of the various types of compact stars. The type of compact star formed depends on the mass of the remnant, the matter left over after the outer layers have been blown away, such from a supernova explosion or by a pulsation leading to a planetary nebula. Note that this mass can be substantially less than the original star. Remnants exceeding five solar masses are produced by stars that were over 20 solar masses before the collapse. If the mass of the remnant exceeds about three to four solar masses, either because the original star was very heavy or because the remnant collected additional mass through accretion of matter, even the degeneracy pressure of neutrons is insufficient to stop the collapse. No known mechanism is powerful enough to stop the implosion and the object will inevitably collapse to form a black hole. The gravitational collapse of heavy stars is assumed to be responsible for the formation of stellar mass black holes. Star formation in the early universe may have resulted in very massive stars which upon their collapse would have produced black holes of up to 10 to the third solar masses. These black holes could be the seeds of supermassive black holes found in the center of most galaxies. While most of the energy released during gravitational collapse is emitted very quickly, an outside observer does not actually see the end of this process. Even though the collapse takes a finite amount of time, from the reference frame of infalling matter, a distant observer sees the infalling material slow and halt just above the event horizon due to the gravitational time dilation. Light from the collapsing material takes longer and longer to reach the observer, with the light emitted just before the event horizon forms delayed an infinite amount of time. Thus, the external observer never sees the formation of the event horizon. Instead, the collapsing material seems to become dimmer, increasingly red-shifted, eventually fading away. Gravitational collapse requires great density. In the current epoch of the universe, these high densities are only found in stars. But in the early universe, Shortly after the Big Bang, densities were much greater, possibly allowing for the creation of black holes. The high density alone is not enough to allow the formation of black holes, since a uniform mass distribution will not allow the masses to bunch up. In order for primordial black holes to form in such a dense medium, there must be initial density perturbations that can then grow under their own gravity. Different models for the early universe vary widely 
in their predictions of size of these predations. Various models predict the creation of black holes, ranging from a Planck mass to hundreds of thousands of solar masses. Primordial black holes could account for the creation of any type of black hole. Gravitational collapse is not only process that can create black holes. In principle, black holes could be formed in high energy collisions that achieve sufficient density. As of 2002, no such events have been detected, either directly or indirectly, as a deficiency of the mass balance, in particular accelerator experiments. This suggests that there must be a lower limit for the mass of black holes. Theoretic, this boundary is expected to lie around the Planck mass, where quantum effects are expected to invalidate the prediction of general relativity. This would put the creation of black holes firmly out of reach of any high energy process occurring on or near the Earth. However, certain developments in quantum gravity suggest that the Planck mass could be much lower. Some brain world scenarios, for example, put the boundary as very low. This would make it conceivable for micro black holes to be created in the high energy collisions occurring when cosmic rays hit the Earth's atmosphere, or possibly in the new Large Hadron Collider at CERN. Yet these theories are very speculative, and the creation of black holes in these processes is deemed unlikely by many specialists. Even if a micro black hole should be formed in these collisions, it is expected that they would evaporate in about 10 to the minus 25 seconds, posing no threat to the planet Earth. Once a black hole is formed, it can continue to grow by absorbing additional matter. Any black hole will continue to absorb gas and interstellar dust from its direct surroundings and omnipresent cosmic background radiation. This is the primary process through which supermassive black holes seem to have grown. A similar process has been suggested for the formation of intermediate mass black holes in globular clusters. Another possibility is for a black hole to merge with other objects such as stars or even other black holes. Although not necessary for growth, this is thought to have been important, especially for the early development of supermassive black holes, which could have formed from the coagulation of many smaller objects. The process has also been proposed as the origin of some intermediate mass black holes. In 1974, Hawking showed that black holes are not entirely black but emit small amounts of thermal radiation, an effect that has become known as Hawking radiation. By applying quantum field theory to a static black hole background, he determined that a black hole should emit particles in a perfect black body spectrum. Since Hawking's publication, many others have verified the result through various approaches. If Hawking's theory of black hole radiation is correct, then black holes are expected to shrink and evaporate over time because they lose mass by the emission of photons and other particles. 
The temperature of this thermal spectrum, the Hawking temperature, is proportional to the surface gravity of the black hole, which, for a Schwarzschild black hole, is inversely proportional to the mass. Hence, large black holes emit less radiation than small black holes. A stellar black hole of one solar mass has a Hawking temperature of about 100 nanokelvins. This is far less than the 2.7 Kelvin temperature of the cosmic microwave background radiation. Stellar mass or larger black holes receive more mass from their cosmic microwave background than they emit through Hawking radiation and thus will grow instead of shrink. To have a Hawking temperature larger than 2.7 Kelvin and be able to evaporate, a black hole needs to have less mass than the moon. Such a black hole would have the diameter of less than a tenth of a millimeter. If a black hole is very small, the radiation effects are expected to become very strong. Even a black hole that is heavy compared to a human would evaporate in an instant. A black hole the weight of a car would have the diameter of about 10 to the minus 24th meters and take a nanosecond to evaporate during which time would briefly have a luminosity of more than 200 times that of the Sun. Lower mass black holes are expected to evaporate even faster. For such a small black hole, quantum gravitational effects are expected to play an important role and could even, although current developments in quantum gravity do not indicate so, hypothetically make such a small black hole stable. By their very nature, black holes do not directly emit any signals other than the hypothetical Hawking radiation. Since the Hawking radiation for an astrophysical black hole is predicted to be very weak, this makes it impossible to directly detect astrophysical black holes from the Earth. A possible exception to the Hawking radiation being weak is the last stage of the evaporation of light of primordial black holes. Searches for such flashes in the past have proven unsuccessful and provide stringent limits on the possibility of existence of light primordial black holes. NASA's Fermi Gamma Ray Space Telescope, launched in 2008, will continue the search for these flashes. Astrophysicists searching for black holes thus have to rely on indirect observations. A black hole's existence can sometimes be inferred by observing its gravitational interaction with its surroundings. A project run by MIT is attempting to observe the event horizon of a black hole directly. Initial results are encouraging. Due to conservation of angular momentum, gas falling into the gravitational well created by a massive object, will typically form a disk-like structure around the object. Friction within the disk causes angular momentum to be transported outward, allowing matter to fall further inward, releasing potential energy and increasing the temperature of the gas. In the case of compact objects, such as white dwarfs, neutron stars, and black holes, 
the gas in the inner regions becomes so hot that it will emit vast amounts of radiation, mainly x-rays, which may be detected by telescopes. This process of accretion is one of the most efficient energy producing processes known. Up to 40% of the rest mass of the accreted material can be emitted in radiation. In nuclear fusion, only about 7 tenths of 1% of the rest mass will be emitted as energy. In many cases, accretion disks are accompanied by relativistic jets emitted along the poles, which carry away much of the energy. The mechanism for the creation of these jets is currently not well understood. As such, many of the universe's most energetic phenomena have been attributed to the accretion of matter on black holes. In particular, active galactic nuclei and quasars are believed to be the accretion disks of supermassive black holes. Similarly, X-ray binaries are generally accepted to be binary star systems in which one of the two stars is a compact object accreting matter from its companion. It has also been suggested that some ultraluminous X-ray sources may be the accretion disks of intermediate mass black holes. Astronomers use the term active galaxy to describe galaxies with unusual characteristics, such as unusual spectral line emission and very strong radio emission. Theoretically, the observational studies have shown that the activity in these active galaxy nuclei, or AGN, may be explained by the presence of a supermassive black hole. The models of these AGNs consist of a central black hole that may be millions or billions of times more massive than our sun, a disk of gas and dust called an accretion disk, and two jets that are perpendicular to the accretion disk. Although supermassive black holes are expected to be found in most AGNs, only some galaxies' nuclei have been more carefully studied in an attempt to both identify and measure the actual masses of the central supermassive black hole candidates. Some of the most notable galaxies with supermassive black hole candidates include the Andromeda Galaxy and the Sombrero Galaxy. It is now widely accepted that the center of nearly every galaxy, not just active ones, contains a supermassive black hole. The close observational correlation between the mass of this hole and the velocity dispersion of the, most of the host galaxy's bulge, known as the M-sigma relation, strongly suggests a connection between the formation of the black hole and the galaxy itself. Currently, the best evidence for a supermassive black hole comes from studying the proper motion of stars near the center of our own Milky Way. Since 1995, astronomers have tracked the motion of 90 stars in a region called Sagittarius A by fitting their motion to the Keplerian orbits that they were able to infer in 1998 that 2.6 million solar masses 
must be contained in a volume of a radius of 0.02 light-years. Since then, one orbit of the stars, called S2, has completed a full orbit. From the orbital data, they were able to place better constraints on the mass and size of the object, causing the orbital motion of stars in Sagittarius A region. Finding that there is a spherical mass of 4.3 million solar masses contained within the radius of less than 0.002 light-years. This is our best proof yet that there is a black hole in the center of our Milky Way galaxy. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.